Welcome everyone to Monday. That's not it. Welcome everyone to the wrestling edition of the podcast. I'm Darren Potts. We're going to be talking about our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. However, it's our favourite wrestlers edition. Several guests are going to share their Mount Rushmore in terms of their favourites. Let's get to it. Coming down the aisle, all the way from Woo Wooville, it is the one, the only, Neil Campbell. Thanks very much for having me. It, it actually does feel like it's been quite a while. I think it's what, I suppose it's been nearly two months since we last done that Royal Rumble one. Yeah, we've had Elimination Chamber in the way. Let's get right into it. The Mount Rushmore of wrestling. It's too hard to pick, in my opinion, so we went for the Mount Rushmore of your favorite wrestlers. I want to do it in backwards order. I know who your number one is. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But coming in <laughs> in number four, who is it and why? Oh, this is really difficult between four and three. But for number four, I'm going to go The Undertaker. Um, he was one of the guys that when I first started watching wrestling, he just made his comeback not long after at Judgment Day 2000 in the whole brand new American Badass gimmick. And it just resonated with me. I just really, really liked it. And he was getting great pops and stuff. And obviously, even before I got into wrestling, I'd, I'd obviously heard of The Undertaker. Like So he went on to have such a sustained and epic career. And WrestleMania became the streak and The Undertaker. I don't think it should have ended, personally. I think he goes in fourth place. And like, I mean, he's like, even his match last year at WrestleMania against AJ Styles was super. Like, and then I don't think anybody could disagree when you say his WrestleMania 25 match against Shawn Michaels is one of the best, if not the best, not even just wrestling or sorry, WrestleMania match of all time, but arguably the best wrestling match of all time. Interesting. I didn't expect you to pick Undertaker in your top four. So that has shocked me a little bit. Um, right. It, it has. Okay. I, I expected someone. Um, maybe an Edge or William Regal or someone like that. Um, specifically, William Regal. I, I thought you always liked Regal and uh, the old I, I do, but he's, he's so <laughs> do, like this ridiculous English thing tune. But like, I really, I don't think he was worthy of the top four. Like, I've high standards, mostly. High standards, indeed. Well, who's in at number three? Number three is it Seamus? Because you said this fella. I thought it was you're just playing into the gimmick. Oh, no. Number three is Brock Lesnar. So, like I already mentioned, breaking the streak there, but I was, do you know what? The more I've thought about this, people go on about Brock Lesnar. Oh, he's part-time. He's boring. This and that. And what I love about Brock is he does not give a toss what these people think. And what I like about Brock is he stands in the ring doesn't have to say much, gets paid millions, right? And he just soaks up all the boos and all the comments and all the jeers and just laughs at it. And I love it. Do you really think Brock Lesnar gives a toss what some basement dwelling internet marks think? Like that they hate him. They hate him because like, oh, he doesn't like wrestling. He's he's never been committed because he left in 2004. So what? Big deal. Like, but he's, that doesn't take away from the fact he's still an excellent wrestler. You can't be NCAA champion. You know, you can't go to New Japan uh, pro wrestling, be their champion, being champion numerous times, obviously, in WWE. And I'm okay when he wins the belt. Like, I do think it should be defended more often, obviously, but he is box office and he is an attraction. And again, 
sort of recurring theme places we have been to and stuff. We were at the Raw in Miami when he made his comeback and it was epic. And one thing as well I like about Brock is when he speaks, it's as if it's off the cuff and he hasn't prepared it or anything like that and it feels more natural. And you only need to go the time where, you know, he goes suplex city, bitch, the Roman Reigns, or the time where he's doing the, the boom box with the money in the bank. And then <laughs> Paul Heyman is like <laughs> talking about the contract and Brock's just like, I got a year to cash in. But he says it so naturally that you probably think, do you know what? You could probably believe Brock to be like, he probably doesn't actually know the stipulations. But like, I, I just think he's, he's entertaining and just even, I don't think he gets the credit for, some of the matches um, that he deserves. Um, you know, he had a great match with AJ Styles. He had a great match with Daniel Bryan. He had a great match that we talked about um, with, with himself and John Cena and Seth Rollins. And, like, you know, he's had numerous great matches against other people as well. And the more you think about it, like, I mean, that time we were in Miami for that, that was nearly nine years ago now. So he's actually fought so many people on the roster, Undertaker, Triple H, Roman Reigns, Rollins, Ambrose, you know, Rey Mysterio, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, the list is endless. So he's fought so many people, Drew McIntyre. Um, and people say like, oh, he's selfish and doesn't give back and all. Well, I mean, you only have to listen to the likes of Drew McIntyre that are like, no, Brock really helped me and really put me over. And he does give back and, even like, you know, the, the Goldberg or another person he's feuded, you know, you remember the time Goldberg beat him and like really, really fast and Brock was just like, no, I need to lose here. I like, you know, there's money in this feud, you know, I'm not discoursing him. Now that's a, a downside where I don't like, like for example, the Kofi Kingston match was a scorched match and stuff, but that wasn't Brock's fault, obviously. But um, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. He is a really good wrestler, especially when it comes to working with smaller guys. Finn Balor was another one. Um, so, yeah, like I'm, I'm going Brock. He keeps me entertained. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. I agree. And I actually think he's the best seller in the business, especially now. If Brock Lesnar decides that he wants to make you look good, and I think that's where the big hinge is with Lesnar, if Brock Lesnar decides, um, and if he decides to make someone look good, he makes them look like a million dollars, or if he thinks they're just rubbish or doesn't care, doesn't like them, like pretend like an Ambrose, for example, at, at Mania in Dallas, it's just like, bad. okay, we'll just figure it out, we won't get out there, who cares, <laughs> you know? But then there's like other people where he goes out of his way to make them look good, the Daniel Bryans, the AJ Styles, all that sort of stuff, and I agree CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, it's another one. I, I think um, Braun Strowman as well. I think he really tried to put Braun over. Then when he realized that Braun's a bit clumsy moron, he decided I can't be bothered with him anymore. <laughs> well, but again, do you remember the time he had him the dig in the, at the Rumble a few years ago? And you're just like, oh, I love Brock. And then he made Samoa Joe very strong as well. Yeah, he um, did. Their feud. Yeah, so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, so I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And at all, as I said, I don't think he should have ended the streak. I can see why they did it. Um, but, I, I, like, I mean, you were there. You'll be able to talk about it better than me, the atmosphere, whenever Brock broke, broke the streak. You said it was amazing. I loved it. Um, I mean, the whole place was silent. And you could hear, like, when I say silent, I don't, obviously not complete silence, but the whole place was in shock. 
and you could hear yeah. the odd you could hear the odd person cheering like me um and then you had like loads of people around just like whoa, whoa, whoa what's happening and you had like the people a couple of rows behind you being like it was a fast count they're gonna restart and then you had like other people you know just shouting out things and all that sort of, no, no word of that like there's people there's people going it was a botch there was all loads of stuff going on and I was just started screaming my head off being like yes this is great and um the fact that what I loved about that actually one of the one of the key things about that match that I think I'm curious if this was actually a work or if this was on purpose when Brock actually won Heyman was like oh my goodness and then like jumped into the ring and they didn't hit Brock's music for a good like six or seven seconds it was almost as if the sound guys were in shock as if they were waiting <laughs> to put on takers I don't know if that was actually meant to happen or not but I always thought it was great I, I I agree takers streak should never have been lost but for that moment I loved it like just for the experience and the shock factor it was awesome well I like we were all watching it in the fly obviously over here and the place was stunned. And like, do you know what? Like, it was always a case of nobody ever thought Taker would lose. But I always remember, and I'll give him credit because I think he's coming on this as well. And he got it right at the time. The only person at the time that said Brock Lesnar is going to beat the streak is Johnny Lurk. He, he did say it. He's like, Brock is going to beat the streak. And we're like, ah, no chance, mate. And he did. And so everyone was completely shells. Um, shell shock, like you say, and I'm sure it was obviously a hundred times um, more effective over there when it actually happened. But Jesus, but yeah, legend. I, I love him. I, I, he does what I like about him is he does not care, and he's legit. I mean, he's a UFC champion as well. You mean, yeah, you don't get any more legitimate than Lesnar walking down in a wrestling match. And yeah. the funny thing is, where you have people being like, you know, like. like one I always thought was funny, and this is right, I don't really particularly like squash matches. But when they done Ricochet versus Lesnar in Saudi <laughs> and people were complaining it was a squash match, I'm like, why wouldn't it be a squash match? He's 140 pounds against Brock Lesnar. <laughs> what are you talking about? The only way it goes longer than being a squash match is if Ricochet runs away from him for a while. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't, no. I, didn't I didn't get it. Um, but yeah, Lesnar, legend, love him. Yeah, no, I, I'm not a fan of squash matches unless they, they, like they should be. Sometimes they're adequate, but other times I didn't like the Kofi Kingston squash match. But that's another story for another day. But I here's another example: the the R Truth with Brock Lesnar segment. Brock's just sort of like laughing at him all and just bends him. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it was you know great. I mean? uh, the only thing that actually one of Brock's greatest moments since returning in 2012. I don't know. You'll maybe get a laugh out of this. I always I loved it when he came out and beat up three MB. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the other time when uh, it was uh, he Slater was saying like I got kids and all and the Brock not say something like I don't give a shit about your kids or something and then yeah, just did it was pretty <laughs> epic no and there's another one where he been Bo Dallas as well that was funny but yeah uh, no uh, I, one more thing we can't forget when Le- Lesnar is when they were doing that stunt with JJ security and he ripped the door off the car and threw it and hit a fan. <laughs> But that's what I mean. It's just so off the cuff of them. You don't know what's going to happen. No, I think that's what makes them funny and believable is just that it is just so off the cuff. And like I said before, he's very, like, it seems like he's very rash and off the cuff. Like that time John Cena and Brock, or John Cena and Seth Rollins started fighting and then Brock's standing with the belt and he just sort of like throws it to the ground and runs over and hits a, a, a German suplex. What a guy. Like, But no, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah. And then 
I mean, even the accomplishments before he left in the first place, like youngest champion at the time, you know, he beat The Rock, you know, he won the Rumble in 2003, he had great matches with Kurt Angle, he had great feuds with Undertaker, um, and those things are sort of forgotten about as well, just because he's sort of part-time now, but they do need him, to be fair. In fact, I hope he comes back for WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Now, number two. I, I know who your number one is, so who's your number two? Who's in second place? Well, we, you obviously think you've known my number one and my number two. So by the time I'm a number two, you'll know who my number one is, obviously. So number two is The Miz. I think I'm one of the very few people that from day one, I've loved that guy. And I mean, like whenever he became a, a singles competitor, like on his own, and he came out straight away on Raw and he did this thing, he was coming out and challenging John Cena to show up and fight him every week. But John Cena wasn't there. So every week it was like, oh, I've beat him once. Next week I've beat him twice. And it was just nonsense. And then when they had the match, <laughs> you know, John beat him, obviously. But um, he is outstanding on the mic. And I'm one of these ones, like, like it, obviously can appreciate good wrestling, but I like to be entertained and promo work and, you know, being able to talk on the mic and stuff and just all around being charismatic and being a character to me is more important because it helps you connect, whether it be as a good guy or a bad guy. Because if you're not getting any reaction, there's no point. And Miz, to me, just ticks all the right boxes. And I said to you the other week, Gar, like, you know, for me, out of people in the modern era, the only person that could properly hold his own, like in a proper slanging match with the likes of, say, The Rock or John Cena, is The Miz. And I'm not just talking about cutting a promo because people can cut promos and cut good ones at that. He's very good at, like, off the cut off the cuff put downs and stuff like the one before we did with the rock and john cena oh the old brothers overhyped and overrated and i was like this guy's a script like he's so good and when he had that rise you know as a singles competitor where you know he won the u.s title and then he won money in the bank and then eventually cashed in to become champion it was amazing now i'm not going to sit here and say that like he's the greatest world champion of all time he wasn't I mean, at the time, I always thought he would hold the belt for a couple of months going into Mania season and then he would drop it. But it didn't work out that way. And they sort of undermined him, I thought, with the run. And But, it, it, I mean, the whole, even in the dynamics between The Rock and Cena, and you had Miz in there, and he was still involved every week. And it, I know he did become a bit of an afterthought, but you remember the time he came out painted and dressed as The Rock and then hit rock bottoms and all that sort of stuff? It was brilliant, but he could hold his own. And like even then, you know, in later years, when he was like unbelievable as the Intercontinental Champion, and he cut those promos on Talk and Smack, you know, on Daniel Bryan, and then there was like ones on Dean Ambrose and stuff. Were absolutely hilarious, and he's so good. And his wrestling's improved as well. And I can never understand why Jim Cornette hates him so much. It just baffles me. I think the guy knows he's wrong and will not admit it. And he continually slags him off. But what I like about Miz is, again, he's another one. He does not care. And he thrives on the fact people hate him. And, I mean, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough, you know, one of our friends, obviously through his work, met the Miz. And he recorded a message for me personally. And, you know, thanked me for being a, a big fan of his and stuff and all that. It was, it was a nice touch. Like, so... Yeah, and the Miz for me, um, he goes in. I'm not saying he's like a stellar wrestler. Um, I think he's solid. 
Uh, and obviously last week, you know, we had the whole thing. He wins the title, but he's a great scheming heel. And we knew he wasn't going to hold the belt for long, transitional champion stuff. But when you think about it, the amount of accolades he's had, you know, he's won the WWE Championship twice. He's won the Intercontinental time or times Intercontinental title numerous times. You know, he's up there at the very top of that, you know, for the upper echelons, the IC belt. And then he's won the US title a couple of times. He's won Money in the Bank. You know, he's now a movie star. He's got his reality TV show. Legend. Love him. Sure fire Hall of Famer. And he's the type of character that I think every company wishes they had him is. Turns up on time, does his job, gets a reaction from the crowd. No matter if he's in a stupid storyline, which it looks like he will be getting into WrestleMania with Bad Bunny when he was just out of holding the title, it doesn't matter. He's always on the show. He always has TV time. He always has time on the microphone. They obviously value him. His career speaks for itself. He's never injured anybody. He's never been injured. I think his career just speaks for himself. I don't see him as like one of the greatest of all time. But when you look at different people's careers and, you know, people talk about like, oh, Big E should be this and Big E should be that and Alistair Black this and Alistair Black. And then you compare someone like Miz, put their career side by side. Miz has had an outstanding long career that when he re- that decides to retire from wrestling, should that be tomorrow? Should that be in five years time? Because he never gets hurt. He retires and never has to work at the end of his life and fair play to him. Um, and well, I think that's another- a big thing. Another thing as well with the Miz, he's one of those guys that he can be in the main event, he can be in the upper mid card, he can be in the mid card, or he could be on the dark match. And no matter what he's doing, he's entertaining and it works. You can put him in anything, any situation, and he's brilliant at it. And he also wears fantastically flamboyant suits, which is always a, a plus as well. But another, like, here's another example of his great promo work the time where Roman Reigns and John Cena are in the ring. And the Miz came out and just absolutely scalded the pair of them. And the crowd were cheering him and all. Like, do you know what I mean? He's he's brilliant, Mike. And when he cashed in in 2010, it was a great moment. Like, not just for him, but, you know, for his fan base as well, I suppose. I know it's not the biggest, like, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, again, he's another one. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And similar to Brock, he's another one that is hated by the internet smart fan base. And he does not give a toss, so fair play to him. He's done magnificently well for himself. And I, yeah, he's he's hilarious. He's I've I've loved him. <laughs> I've always loved him and always will. What a guy. One of the things that go under under sort of the radar with the Miz, in my opinion, and we'll move on to your number one now, but and this relates very closely to who your number one is, given who I know it is. But in, in a wrestling world for the last five, six, seven, maybe even 10 years, where promos have sounded like something off Broadway and very, very scripted, Miz's always sounds natural, even though it is a script. It's his, his charisma, the way, I don't know, whatever way he does it, whatever way he delivers promos, it never sounds silly and stupid. Albeit some of the lines they give him are really silly and stupid, but his delivery is excellent. And speaking of delivery, we have finally, and I mean finally, come to number one on the Campbell Mount Rushmore favourite wrestlers. So without further ado, um, enlighten us all to who is your number one on Mount Rushmore, who is the biggest face of the four. I mean, it was difficult, but, you know, I eventually got there and I had to pick uh, Doink the Clown. You know, what a phenomenal career he's had and all. No. Uh, oh, what happened there? 
don't know. Um, Doink the Clown. You went Doink the Clown, so you're muted for your for your stupidity. No, uh, <laughs> no, um, no, obviously, you know who number one's going to be. It's obviously The Rock. Um, when I first started watching it, The Rock was like the guy. And I, and I had a load of, you know, great characters and superstars back then. You had The Rock, Triple H, Undertaker, Kane, you know, Jericho, Angle. Uh, Austin came back not long after that so you know it's such a great roster but for me the one that you know drew me in and like kept me glued to the TV especially you know when he had a microphone in his hand was The Rock and for me he's he's my like number one and again like I know I've said you know The Miz is somebody that's amazing on the mic but nobody holds a candle to the rock he is just he, he like holds the audience in the palm of his hand and he's one of those guys that no matter what he's talking about you want to listen and again he's another one that the, that the internet lot are just like no he comes back all the time and says the same catchphrases and what he's over he's brilliant he always gets the reaction and again he's another one that people don't really give enough credit to for his actual wrestling ability because there's people that there's there's wrestlers that people go on about and like oh he's brilliant and he does this and he does that and then they forget about people that they're just like oh he's only a star because of this and that and honestly like no he's actually a really good wrestler as well and the rock was like that you know people just think oh because he was so good in the mic you know that's the reason why he's like so much but it wasn't just that it can't just be about that it's my number one thing that i look for but you have to be a good wrestler as well. And the Rock I, was a good wrestler. I agree with you. And, you know, we, we mentioned earlier Shawn Michaels Taker, Mania 25 and even Mania 26 is some of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. Mm-hmm. And they're up there. But for me, you asked me my favourite WrestleMania match ever, Rock Austin, Mania 17. And as you said, there are people who now slag off some people go, they can't wrestle, they do the same moves. You had Austin, who was a brawler, who liked to punch, kick people. Then you mm-hmm. had The Rock, who was an amazing seller. Um, compared to maybe some of the modern guys had a, maybe a bit of a limited move set if, if we can word it that way but you put them two together and in my opinion I look at wrestling over the past maybe 10 years has there been a match that's even remotely came close to the level of that match I don't think so well well you know yourself again whenever they announced the year before that they were going to do Rock John Cena we were like right this is it. This is the mania we have to go to. And like even that night, you know, with the rock coming back in Miami and you know at the Sun Life Stadium, the atmosphere was amazing. And it was one of their matches where it's like, Jesus Christ, who the hell is gonna win this? Because Cena's Cena and this is the Rock's comeback match, like effectively, like and um it was like I mean, if 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 it hadn't been announced that it was gonna be in Rock and John Cena, would we have went to that WrestleMania? Who knows? But because of The Rock coming back, it was like, right, this is it. This is the one we have to go to. And, I mean, that WrestleMania is still the highest coaching WrestleMania of all time. You know yourself, like, even we were outside the ground and all, and going into it, it was, you could feel like there was, like, pardon the pun, like, an electricity, like, about the place. Like, you know, there was an atmosphere. It was, like, a big match feel. And that was because of The Rock coming back. And, obviously, John Cena as well. Um, but, Rock for me is just no matter what he speaks, like he just he encapsulates me and the audience, and I don't think that'll ever be topped. And like you're saying there about you know other like other matches and other wrestlers, you know, Rock Austin 
like WrestleMania 17 for me is the best WrestleMania of all time. And Rock Austin was a fantastic feud. The great build up, like the promo itself for it was unbelievable. And I, it's again, this top four list was so hard to pick. Like Austin missed out. And like, you know, he's somebody that I always liked as well. And just when you said about him there. But then, like, there's another Rock Austin in WrestleMania 19, which Rock won, was very good as well. And, you know, and then even Rock Hogan at WrestleMania 18, the Rock, like, that, like, I mean, again, I know I've mentioned him already, but Jim Cornette even says if I was listening to a thing the other week, Gray was talking about it and said the crowd turned on the Rock and he was able to handle it and like switch roles and it didn't phase him at all. Maybe the likes of Austin, they wouldn't have been able to handle that. But Rock is so good. He could handle any crowd in any environment. And you know something else the Rock needs to get credit for? And I think he never gets a credit for this. Hulk Hogan has a reputation. He didn't put an awful lot of people over. Triple H had a, had a bit of a reputation, especially those early 2000 years. He wouldn't put many guys over. The Rock put people over consistently and managed to stay in the top two potentially of all time when people talk about The Rock and Austin. Um, you know, other people might want to throw Hogan and Flair into that mix, but, you know, it depends, I think, of when you started watching wrestling. But you even look at 1999, The Rock was entering feuds with Billy Gunn. The Rock was feuding with mid-carters. He, he, in my opinion, The Rock elevated Jericho to the main event with their feud in around September, SummerSlammy September and onwards in 2001 before Jericho won the undisputed yeah. title. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, this person's amazing. He does really good moves. And I'm like, really cool. But if someone beats that person, where does it leave them? The same place where they started. When someone pins The Rock, they are immediately elevated, in my opinion. And I think- Kurt Rock, Angle was another one. <clears throat> Kurt Angle. Rock never gets enough credit, in my opinion especially in terms of putting people over. You know, when people talk about Lesnar's run in 2002, they talk about him beating the Hardys. They talk about him winning the title at SummerSlam against Rock, and then they really focus on Taker. And fair enough, Taker is a big fish. But people wouldn't have legitimately believed Brock had a chance against Taker if he didn't knock off Rock first. And Rock done the job perfectly in a very underrated match at SummerSlam 2002. And another thing that was under the radar, I don't know if you've ever heard Hogan talk about Mini 18. Hogan has went on record and said if it wasn't for The Rock being like, let's do Mini 18 together, that he felt he was sort of falling away into obscurity. It was only really when WWE put him against Rock that he really elevated himself again. I was sure they ended up because it was such a good match and he was so popular and stuff. They ended up giving him another title reign and stuff and all because of that, but yeah, like Rock, I don't think he gets enough credit at all. Like, um, again, it's, it's it's listen, it's all about preference and opinions. At the end of the day, like you're going to get people that will like some wrestlers and won't like others, and vice versa. I'm sure every single person that you have on for this type of show is going to give you a different list of four and and different order and stuff. You're not going. I very much doubt you're going to get somebody with the exact same less to somebody else. I, I very much doubt it. And that's, I suppose, the interesting thing about the debate itself. But for me, I, I just, I, I, you, you knew it yourself from day one. You knew what I was going to say. You knew it was going to be rock. Like, and um, yeah, I'll stick by it. He, he's the one that drew me into wrestling. And, you know, anytime he's ever back, you know, it's always, always a plus. 
Yeah, hundred percent. He he definitely draws eyes to the product. But Neil, it's been our pleasure having you back on the podcast and the Mount Rushmore of favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, this episode will be on YouTube. If you want to reach out to us, I'll be at the podcast WC on Twitter. And Neil is on Twitter at Neilers C if you want to give him any, any abuse whatsoever for any of his opinions on wrestling. So, Neil, thanks once again for coming on to the show. And your final words. Well, you're saying there, um, you can fire any tweets this way for any abuse that's coming this way. I'll just say one thing just bring it. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Birmingham in England, it is a brewery enthusiast. It's Pete. Hey guys, this is Pete. It's a pleasure for me to be back once again on the podcast. Just to give you my opinion of who my four faces of favourite wrestler Mount Rushmore would be. If you're interested in anything that I do social media wise, you can catch me on Instagram at Hops Causing All This or, Inst- or Twitter at Hops Causing This. I'm a former professional wrestling referee, now working within the brewing industry. So coming in at number four is somebody that needs to be on the list. And I would love to have got them higher, but it's yeah, it's you'll see as the list goes through why I just needed to put them here. Number four on the list is Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, Brett Hart is a former five-time WWF champion. Comes from a big, prestigious wrestling family. Was serious in everything he did. He did everything with conviction. Whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, I like to think you believe the words that came out of his mouth. One thing I love most about Bret Hart is his matches were great. He took everything really seriously, as I've already mentioned. But he made the belt. Anytime he had a championship belt, he made it feel important. Made it feel prestigious. It's something that's long missing from professional wrestling, in my opinion. So, on the list and on the wall of Mount Rushmore at number four is Bret the Hitman Hart. Coming in at number three is a man, again, that I'd like to push higher on the list. It's a man that I've idolised for many a year and actually spent 45 minutes in front of speechless because I couldn't speak. Coming in at number three is the hardcore legend, Terry Funk. You know, Terry Funk not only helped carve ECW onto the national scale, not only transcended professional wrestling to you know, through multiple decades in different personas, Obviously, he was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. One of only two brothers in history that can hold that distinction. Uh, a record which, in my opinion, will go to the grave with both Terry and Dory, which is something I don't really want to talk about at the moment, knowing that Terry's in such ill health. So, through the podcast, Terry, I wish you well. I love you dearly. And uh, pull out of this. Kick out, my friend. You can do it. Um, Terry, you know, he some of the things that he did were extremely innovative he's done things within professional wrestling that people are still emulating now one of the things that i really love about terry was the fact that when he was a long-haired scraggly heel with a big beard in america he'd get on a plane clean shaven and go over to japan in a time where you could get away with doing different gimmicks in different genre uh, different territories and be clean shaven because that was what was expected of faces in japan so on the list, on the wall, of favourite wrestlers for Mount Rushmore at number three is the living legend, Terry Funk. Coming in at number two was quite difficult. It was a choice between this guy and Sting, but obviously this guy is another guy, is another hero of mine, somebody else that I've cried in front of. I'm talking about the wrestler, the representation of the NWA, below the Mason-Dixon line, 
throughout the 80s and 90s, I'm obviously talking about the 16-time world heavyweight champion, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. What is there to say about Ric Flair that needs to be said? Can I not just leave it at that and move on to the last one? But seriously, you know, Ric Flair was, you know, when Hogan was the rest, the entertaining wrestler of, of the industry, Ric Flair was the wrestler's wrestler. You know, there was no, there's no messing around with Ric Flair. His matches were good. He was a consistent worker. He made people look great. He could wrestle a broom handle. Ric Flair, without a shadow's doubt, deserves to be on my wall or anybody's Mount Rushmore of favourite wrestlers. So being at number two on this list is Ric Flair, which leaves number one. I know this one's not going to be very popular with people, but this was my stance. It was a choice between this person and Stone Cold Steve Austin, which makes me believe that you may already know who I'm talking about. Coming in at number one on Mount Rushmore, although this is a favourites list, he has to take the spot. And unfortunately, number one on my list of wrestlers on Mount Rushmore is Hulk Hogan. Without Hulk Hogan, there wouldn't be an industry. And I know people don't agree with that and think, no, no, no. And obviously everything that went on later on in his life, people would much prefer that Hulk Hogan not be represented, not be published or promoted in any way. And yeah, you could argue, which because I wanted to argue it, that Stone Cold elevated the industry to another level. But Hogan did it first. And I stand my ground as that the number one face on any Mount Rushmore for professional wrestling must be Hulk Hogan. So in at number one on my list is Hulk Hogan. There you go, guys. That's my one to four of Mount Rushmore picks for my favourite wrestlers. If you want to go ahead and find me on social media, please feel free to do so. Like I said, it's Hops causing all this on Instagram and Hops causing this on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for continuing to listen to the wrestling edition of the podcast. I'm Darren Potts. I'm the host. My favourite four of Mount Rushmore. And it goes like this. In fourth place, a man who consistently had good matches. We'll forget about his last match in Saudi. It's the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Phenomenal, phenomenal worker. Has to be in there for me. Love Shawn Michaels. I actually preferred him, and this will be strange to say this, preferred him prior to leaving in 1998. I loved his work sort of in 94, 95, 96, 97. Um, especially at that time, he was so, so unique. Not saying that he wasn't post to, uh, 2002 onwards, but that time, those early days, he was just so athletically gifted in a big man's world, especially in the WWF. Um, title scene, apart from Brett, you really just had your big men in the title scene and he was always just outstanding. And coming up, in third place it's true it's true it's the olympic hero kurt angle the wrestling machine amazing career phenomenal time in tna by the way which is completely forgotten about and underrated by a lot a lot of wrestling fans kurt angle is in at number three and one of my all-time favorite matches by the way if you're looking around the match to watch stone cold kurt angle SummerSlam 2001 unbelievable superb match in second place Represented by Paul Heyman for a number of years. Sadly, not anymore, apparently, unless we're going to see him before WrestleMania. It is Brock Lesnar. Happy to be in the crowd for Brock Lesnar's return in Miami in 2012. 
amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Loved it, absolutely loved it. I was in the crowd at WrestleMania 30. I popped money beat taker. Can't say enough about it. Loved it. Should the streak have ended? Probably not. I didn't care. I loved it. I popped. I cheered. And finally, the face of Mount Rushmore. For me, it is probably the most popular WWF superstar, WWE superstar of all time. It is from Victoria, Texas. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Loved them. Even suggested that if and when myself and my wife have children, if it's a boy, we should be considering Austin as a name. It kind of gets shot down. Not too sure, but that's how big Stone Cold Steve Austin was to me when I was a kid. When I thought wrestling was real, when I thought everything was legit and it wasn't scripted and didn't have a clue, I genuinely believe this man was beating up his boss. I remember getting ready to watch WrestleMania 17. By the way, the best WrestleMania ever, and easily WrestleMania's best ever main event, in my opinion. Purely on the sense of how big the match was and what could actually happen. I think people talk about Taker and Sean and how good that match is at 25 and 26. We all kind of knew the outcome, to be to be honest. But WrestleMania 17, Stone Cold, The Rock, in my opinion, the greatest main event in wrestling history from my perspective and in my time watching it. So there you have it, folks. My favorite, Mount Rushmore in professional wrestling. Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Podcast. Give me a follow. Give me some feedback. Fire stuff at me. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Who's your favorite for? Let us know. Hi, Potsy. Great to be asked back, as always. Um, great to be back on the podcast. I listen to the wrestling episodes um, every time they're out with you, Neil and Spud. Always a good laugh. And um, Great to be asked back for the third time. Real pleasure. And uh, I'm Johnny, for those of you who don't know. I've been watching wrestling since the late 90s. Um, I fell away for about five, six years for a period like in 2007, eight, and till 2012-13 and I've been watching it ever since. I don't watch it as much recently because it just isn't the same but I still try to keep up to date um, and just watch the main matches, main pay-per-views and always get kept up to date with from Neil anyway which is always good fun and you can find me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at IamJuki. It's always a bundle of laughs. So you've asked me uh, about my Mount Rushmore of favourites and why. And it's particularly re-emphasizing it's the favourites and and not just those who I think should be Mount Rushmore, but my own personal Mount Rushmore. So I'm just gonna go ahead. So in reverse order, number four, I'm gonna have CM Punk. CM Punk um, makes it in there. And there's a couple of big names, may I possibly, that I've left out and people will question, but um, CM Punk, really, when I, stopped watch wrestling as i said for five or six years and started getting back into the game it was cena and cena was there and it was bloody blah and um, cena was tremendous you know he, he drove the company and um, to new levels and carried it when it was in a bad period but cm punk helped um me regain my interest my personal interest in wrestling again i thought he was fantastic i thought he was good in the mic i thought he had a great move set thought he was a great ring attire i loved his gear um I loved a lot of the matches that he was in. I loved his lengthy reign um, as champion. Um, I also put it out there that he um, wasn't afraid to speak his mind. Of course, as we all know, with the pipe bomb, he was a voice for a wrestling generation of wrestlers 
in that time and probably still who probably get pushed aside and I thought that was fantastic um, but yeah I just thought he was so charismatic I thought he was a great character um, love CM Punk um, again I was really sad to see him go um, because at that time he was my favourite wrestler on the roster um, number three would be Randy Orton another maybe surprise entrance um, Randy I love Randy I think uh, he's got the, the wrestler's look I think he's got you know if you're thinking about a typical WWE champion whatever that is like Randy definitely has that look. He's definitely, you know, the the wrestling moves that, that he has. He has the for me. He's got the best finisher ever. Um, the RKO is just so simple, but yet it's so versatile. It's brilliant. And um, there's matches where he pulls the RKO, especially when people are flying at him from the top ropes, and he just reverses it and then RKO. And it's, it's just fantastic. I mean. I personally thought he should have run the Rumble in January. Um, he's still there. He's still there in the roster doing it, and which is why I love it too. And he's still one of my favourite. Um, he's just got so many good matches, and his music is just great. It just he just excites me when he gets in the ring. Number two would be uh, none other than The Rock. The Rock, um, as I said, I've been watching since the late '90s. The Rock was was there. I've seen the rise of The Rock till the rise of the heights. It's always important to note how like the rock actually wasn't around for a terribly long long time but when he was there it was amazing it was electric fan potsy <laughs> and his music was brilliant and when he entered you you just felt the energy um you, he always perf performed in the big stage and um, some memorable matches you know triple h austin hogan cena just brilliant, and then there's many more when he came back um, in his few stints uh, as, you know, part-time wrestling and the big manias and pay-per-views and stuff. He was still got it. He still holds himself. It's the rock at the end of the day. He's the best in the mic. Love him. He carried wrestling along with Austin to new heights, um, in my personal belief. They carried wrestling to a global, even bigger global scale in the new heights during the Attitude Era. And that's why he definitely deserves to be so high up as well. Um, my last one, my number one, is my favorite wrestler. Um, my number one is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin, I watched, was the first wrestler, the first match that I ever watched was him v Taker. And there were some stipulations. I can't remember what pay-per-view it is. Right now, it's been out of my head. Um, him and Taker, and, and, and it was a stipulation with Vince was on Taker's side, and Taker was wrestling for Vince, and Austin had to beat him and all this. And it was just brilliant as a... As a young kid watching this, it was unreal. And and Austin again, as I say, Austin had the gimmick. I love this gimmick. His stick it to the authority. Um, quite a lot of my Mount Rushmore is actually Punk, Orton, and Austin. You know, sticking it to the authority. That's the sort of characters I like. Um, the anti heroes, so to speak. But Austin had that. He was he's always in great storylines. He's always there. Um, whether it was. Going into a hospital, beating or per events, or chasing Booker T through a supermarket, or coming in with monster trucks, or coming in with beer trucks and soaking down the whole arena. It was just amazing. Is 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 gimmick? Is is beer? The beers and everything was just fantastic. And his stunner um, was always a great finisher. His music—you knew when that music hit, when that glass broke. Austin meant business, and you were like, "Oh man." Um, invasion angle and Austin comes in and he just stunners like 15 people in the ring that is 
gold, wrestling gold, and he is just the best at that. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, Austin's my number one. Again, like Austin carried wrestling with The Rock, as I say, the new heights to a global scale and, and fantastic. Like there's notable mentions there, Potsy that I've left out, obviously Undertaker for longevity and the matches that he's had. Triple H, you know, again, it's always been there for what he's done for wrestling. Unbelievable. Jeff Hardy, one of my personal favorites. And I think he's just had a fantastic career. But yeah, my Mount Rushmore top four would be CM Punk, Randy Orton, The Rock, of course, my man, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thanks for having me on. And um, hope that makes a wee bit of sense. And um, hope if, you ha- if anyone has anything to say against it again, of course, always tweet me. It's always good fun. But uh, thanks for having me, Potsy. As we continue this episode of our favourite ever four for our favourite ever Mount Rushmore, I am joined again, of course, by the one, the only, it's not Billy Gunn, it's the one and only phenom of the podcast, Spud, you're back, back again, welcome back. What's happening, bud? Do you know every time you do that little introduction, I put my arms up? In the celebration, and I'm, I'm sitting in my bedroom on my own, so that shows you what kind of cool guy I am. <laughs> yeah. Go out to the window and do the Christian pose. Look at <laughs> yeah, just more Randy Orton, mate. You have to get the, you have to arch the back and whatnot. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about the favourite four of your Mount Rushmore in terms of wrestlers. So if Dino Brown's not on it, I'm allowed to ban you from the. No, I'm kidding. Um, is Dino Brown in the conversation, Spud, or is he an honourable mention? I think he's more... He'll be there to cut the ribbon on the unveiling of my Mount Rushmore. That's fair. I think he'd be the he'd be the guest speaker. Like, I, I love Dino Brown, but I'm not that much of an idiot to put him in uh, <laughs> a top four of all time. I do love him. He gave me a birthday. He gave That's me a right, birthday. he did. Shout out. He did. No, but uh, Dino, you know, like we were talking about last night, our sort of uh mid card stable you know that kind of mid card fantasy stable yeah yeah fantasy stable that would be sort of Dilo would be a shoe in uh, <laughs> number one to bullet but not my top 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 no well speaking off your top 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 um tip top let's get right in remember tip tops 15p um let's get <laughs> let's get right in with number four this is the one apparently you had the most difficulty with so who is it, Spud? Got my three definites, and I've been, I've been like toying between loads. Actually, like top four, I've been toying between Kean, Kurt, uh, Edge, lots of people. Jr. actually popped up at one point, <laughs> and I've sell. I don't know. Like me and you were saying just before we started recording, it's it's tough, but I'm thinking more. What kind of memories do I have as a fan? What sticks out? And it has to be... It's Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon? That's a massive shout. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually... I've always argued for Vince to be on the all-time. These are obviously our favourites. Mm-hmm. Like, these are just our Mount Rushmore. But any time, a best of all time, like wrestling, you've got your flares, your HBKs and whatnot... I would argue Vince McMahon has to be on there anyway. 
but as a character, I think he takes he takes it. He just nicks past Kane, Mankind, and a couple of the other couple of the other guys. Interesting, interesting indeed. I did that was totally unexpected. Totally yeah. unexpected. Um, who's in number three then? Number three, uh, like I said, these three. It's just a matter of where I place them. If we're doing like a top three, uh, these were always definite. So I think I'm gonna go <laughs> CM Punk. Hmm. I, I I've had a feeling CM Punk would be on your list. Um, yeah. So I was curious where would he place, and he's in at number three. Quality matches, quality on the mic, must see superstar, created waves. He attracted you back to the business, as as we know, you know, from when you sort of lost a bit of interest. Um, give me a couple of your favorite CM Punk memories. Well, like you said, it's it's pretty much the reason I heard about the pipe bomb, and I'd always sort of taped raw and flick through it very quickly. And I was buzzing to get to the end of the Raw where it was the pipe bomb. And I'm like, oh my god, this is like... And then I would start to watch it live again. I would start fast forward and stuff. He genuinely brought me back into being a fan. That, and it coincided with us all going to the pay-per-views out in Nights Out back in the day. Um, But it was just a very short, really good time to be like a, a wrestling fan. Um... Like you said, all his heel work or face, I always thought he was amazing on the mic. And, yeah, he just drew me in. Man, it was like, I wish he was around. Do you ever play the game where the uh, the WWE game where they did uh, the fantasy matches? I don't think so. I think the last one I played had Ultimate Warrior in the cover. And you had, right. to, you had to redo all the WrestleMania scenes. And you do yeah. the spots and the matches and all. It was the last one I had. Yeah, it's like the OMG moments and stuff like that. It's something similar to that. Uh, you would do, like, there was fantasy matches, so you would have uh, Dean Ambrose versus Cactus Jack. Um, and, you know, it was, it was CM Punk versus Austin. And there was, like, the made video packages for it, and it sort of made me wish he was there back in the day because those two would have would have been amazing he would have fit right in the attitude era that's usually everybody's favorite sort of time in wrestling anybody our sort of age anyway when you ask them and yeah cm punk number three and it was tough to put him at number three i'm not gonna lie well i mean if you've put him at number three i'm quite curious now who your top two are um so coming in second place silver medal number two on your favorite round rushmore of wrestlers who is it number two, Spud? Ah, God. Right. It's Undertaker. Wow. I thought he was a, I thought he was a shoe-in for number one. Um, yeah. Number two is, is Taker, Big Daddy Deadman. Um, <laughs> why why, why Undertaker? Is it longevity? Is it just... I know you like, like the bigger guys and stuff like that. I do like the big guys, like... Uh, like, I don't think we really appreciate, like, I'm the same height as The Rock, you know what I mean? I don't think you appreciate how tall and how big and how huge some sort of people are. I love larger-than-life characters, larger-than-life athletes, usually. Like I said, Kane was creeping into my number four mm-hmm. um, because those two had the best storyline. But Undertaker is the best character 
when he sticks to the original character when he's not having a midlife crisis. <laughs> and that's probably why he's not number one, if I'm honest, was that like sort of three-year denim period. <laughs> let's, call it, let's call it the scary bandana period. Um, I still appreciated him like as like being there for that was the decade of the dead man t-shirts and stuff like that but overall i would say he's easy number two on my mount rushmore and see to be honest potsy i don't think usually mount rushmores are rated so i think you're being really unfair right now <laughs> fair i i take that criticism i take that criticism i just want i just kind of wanted a title Instead of just saying I just yeah. want I just want your top four because it kind of oh, said no. a top a top four is kind of weird you know you could have just said I want everyone's yeah. top three so I thought if I do I might rush more and play with four. <laughs> yeah. No, I know I was I was being silly. Don't worry. Oh, there's, no, there's no need to apologize, Vlad. We're we're all friends here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, number two, Taker, uh, beast character, great in the ring. He probably should have retired a lot sooner, but I'm always glad to see him except nowadays when he's on every podcast and everything ever uh i was sick of seeing him for about three months there but it's the same with rock on instagram if you're on instagram you're gonna see the rock talking about his tequila or something so it's all good well the rock and tequila is that a mi- is that a mix that's gonna be to- are you drinking tequila and is the rock going in at number one <laughs> the rock is not going in at number one um, it's it's stone cold. Has stone to well for me it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we usually I don't think I appreciated him that much while I was watching it. It was more in hindsight. Um, obviously I did appreciate it. It was always exciting, like him and all, or him and Tyson. Um, him against Vince is one of the best ever. But I was sort of a mid card guy. I don't know if it's the fact that I was always asleep by the time the main event came on. <laughs> uh, but because obviously it would be about half three in the morning for, for us. Um, but I was always sort of a mid-card guy. But looking back, I, me and you, or you and I, to be grammatically correct, uh, we send each other our favorite sort of interviews, segments, matches, and I would find myself uh, sending more Austin than than anything else. I think he's amazing on the mic. He's great in the ring. Uh, I've watched a couple of matches even back when he was in WCW. He's great. Um, uh, yeah, even nowadays, like if you want to pop a crowd, you sent me a video clip about an hour before we did this. Um, it was Austin returning from prison or something <laughs> on a Raw where Triple H is threatening Linda McMahon with violence. You know, Raw, 1999. And the crowd were nuts. He couldn't do anything wrong. And it was just amazing. He's involved in pretty much every good storyline ever and some <laughs> bad. But he's just amazing. I can, can do no wrong in my book wholeheartedly agree um a huge fan of, of stone cold you know whether he is in the the title picture whether he's feuding with vince mcmahon whether he's at church with booker t it's must see tv with stone cold yep exactly or the supermarket with booker t booker t was another one i nearly thought about for number four as well 
Big Booker. I I like Booker T. He doesn't really get the credit he gets the credit he deserves. Well, there we have it. Your Mount Rushmore of favourite wrestlers, Spud. Um, just to wrap it up, we're, you've mentioned a couple of honourable mentions. Kean, Mankind, you thought about Booker T. You even mentioned JR. Um, is there anyone that was on your honourable mention list that we haven't named yet that you would like to? I could just... I, literally, I was narrowing it down from like 30 people. You have more <laughs> uh, even, I even came up to date and thought AJ Styles is amazing. I actually really like seth rollins but i wouldn't put him in top top tier you know that's a top 10 list yeah uh, ray mysterio big show <laughs> i was literally cena everybody was going through my head man so we could be here for another hour and a half just me listing off people's names remember <laughs> i was even saying to you last night uh at one point bradshaw would have been in my mount rushmore <laughs> so maybe i should just keep it to myself to be honest <laughs> well, we'll leave it there, folks. But Spud, thank you once again for sharing some valuable insight to the listeners of the Wrestling Podcast. Well, folks, thank you for listening. That was the podcast, our Mount Rushmore of favourite wrestlers. Thank you so much for going through the podcast. Let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at PotscastWC. PotscastWC with two T's in pots. Thanks for listening. See you next time.